I have to start with a confession this morning, and that is uh, December has been a fairly rough month <laughs> for our family, our extended family, health-wise, that is. And uh, so I'm glad to be here. We couldn't be here last week, but we're glad to be here today. But uh, we come basically to let you know that uh, Jesus has come. And we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to welcome that good news and share it because that's what the church is called to do. Now, I have to, to say, as I said, it's been a rough month. I remember the first of the month when the, the first symptoms came on. Uh, there was uh, the typical coughing, rib-racking coughing, and that was burdensome. Then uh, on top of that, I realized I had a fever, and that was even more scary. And then came the chills, you know, the, the shakes. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I've got to get this under control. So I went and I found myself a blanket, wrapped that blanket around me. I said, I'm going to go listen to some gospel music. Maybe that'll tamp things down a little bit. So I went and I sat on the couch and I wrapped that big old blanket around me and I tuned in the gospel music station. And you won't believe what they sang first. I couldn't believe it. I'd never heard it before. It was a whole lot of folks are going home. Now I'm shaking, I have a fever, I have a real bad cough, and they're telling me a whole lot of folks are going home. I wasn't exactly expecting that, you know. I, I had in mind uh, maybe something more like, he touched me, and oh, the joy. And was That's what I expected to hear. Or maybe, maybe something a little like, Love lifted me, you know, something like that. That would be good. But no, they sang, a whole lot of folks are going home. Well, that didn't exactly meet my needs. But uh, fortunately, the next song was a little bit better. It's, we're, we're going to make it. That's what the second song was. And so that uh, revved me up for the night. So... Uh, that was the way the, the month began. I won't tell you how it's ended. But uh, we're in the middle of a series. And uh, the series is Expecting Jesus. And we're in the third message. I call this message Prime Missionary Time. You see, we all, as followers of Jesus Christ have a calling upon our lives. If you're following Jesus, you're going to have a call on your life. He has created us for mission. And we would do well to listen carefully to what that calling is and be perfectly honest in responding to God's call. 
Let him know what you're thinking. Let him know the questions that you have, but listen carefully to his call. That's what Mary, the mother of Jesus, did. She was honest, and she was open with God. When he gave his calling to Mary, she was very honest with him. We're going to find that out this morning. If she was troubled or confused, she told God that she was troubled or confused, and he was faithful to minister to her. Let's see how the story developed. Okay. I always have fun with this thing. <laughs> okay, let's read in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 and see how the story developed. In the sixth month of Mary or Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, Gabriel is one of two angels that are actually mentioned by name in the Scriptures. Do you remember what the other one was? Other than Gabriel, there's one other. It was Michael. But Gabriel is the one that encountered Mary. He is... Uh, Gabriel means mighty man of God. That's what the word means. And Gabriel was the same angel that spoke to Zechariah about his new son that was to be born to him and his wife Elizabeth. And we know that child as John the Baptist. He was the same angel that spoke to Daniel in the Old Testament. So we uh, have encountered Gabriel before. Now Mary... Mary was a young lady, betrothed to Joseph. Now, the word betrothed means more than our practice of engagement. For betrothal was a legal term uh, that had legal bonds that went with it. It was a premarital agreement that was binding to the point it actually took legal action if you were to break that bond. But it was not full marriage in the sense that the two people were not living together. Mary was still a virgin. Her situation at the time was not exceptional, but she was chosen of God for a special purpose. All followers of Jesus today are chosen of God for special purposes. And as we approach this Advent season, I want us to be aware God has purpose for each of us. God has purposes that he has for us to accomplish, just like he had a wonderful purpose for Mary. God has things in mind for all of us to fulfill, and we only discover what that is as we follow the Lord. I love the way that, that Mary handled her choosing and its, and its announcement. Look at verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, 
Gabriel was I said, the same angel that had startled the priest Zechariah as he was serving in the temple earlier in chapter 1. Zechariah was startled and overcome with fear when the angel appeared. Gabriel must have been just as awesome to Mary. And the angel says to her, greetings. Now in Latin, that's Ave. It's where we get the term Ave Maria. Greetings. Mary, is what the angel was saying. And the angel Gabriel tells her she's favored or she is, she is chosen. And the Lord is with her. Now up until this point, Mary had her life well together. For a young lady, she, she was growing up in a normal Jewish town. At the proper time, arrangements were made for, for her to be betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter, the town in which she lived, Nazareth, was a normal uh, Galilean town in the lower hills. Nothing exceptional about the town. It was a town of several thousand. A, a carpenter could make a, a nice living in a town like that. And Mary's husband-to-be was an honorable man, as we find out in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. He was caring. He was compassionate. And when his life was interrupted by the news of the upcoming birth of Jesus, he showed what kind of person he was by his concern for Mary. So Mary, up until Gabriel shows up, pretty much had her life in order. Nice town. Okay? Fine future husband. Plans are all in place. Finances even look good. And here's how Mary responded to the Ave Maria moment in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered, what, what kind of greeting might this be? Now, Zechariah, as we read the story of his encounter with Gabriel, he, he was startled and gripped with fear at his encounter. So it's no wonder Mary was greatly troubled. <laughs> and full of wonder. Gabriel's assurance to Mary was identical to what he said to Zechariah. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Jews had an acute awareness of the holiness of God. And God's holy presence does not mix well with our sinfulness. God's presence was fearsome. And the Lord... At, just, just look at some of the biblical greats who had an encounter with, with the Lord. As they became close to God, many of them fell flat, as if dead. Moses, Isaiah, Paul, John, and others were all overcome as they approached the divine. But Mary was even more startled by the message. Look at uh, verse 30 said, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father, David. So uh, here you have... Uh, up until this point, 
uh, that is Gabriel showing up. Mary, remember, she was living a fairly normal life. And, uh, but Mary was even more startled by the message. Remember Mary's reaction, but how can this be? I'm not married yet. You're telling me I'm going to have a child? And a thousand thoughts must have gone through her mind all at one time as she considered, what, what, is, what is Joseph going to think if I'm pregnant? What, what will my folks say? What will my friends say? Will I be an outcast? Or even worse, well, what am I going to live on? And, and, and if, if my baby is all these magnificent things that you talk about, son of the Most High, reign over the house of Jacob, why are you picking me to be the mother? And, and what is this child, why does this child need to be born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit? Now, she would later, she would later realize that Jesus was, quote, Emmanuel, unquote, God with us, as such the divine had to father the Son, who was to be incarnate, that is, in the flesh. But in a single moment, in a single day, Mary's life was being flipped over. It's being turned upside down. All the dreams of a peaceful, placid, proper life were suddenly disappearing. It was crashing in all around her. But in spite of the traumatic message, Mary's reaction was surprisingly undaunted. Now, the message didn't devastate her as much as it perplexed her. She responded with a very logical question. How can this be? And the angel gives an interesting answer. He says, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel makes it clear that the conception of the child will be miraculous. Joseph will be the father of the household, but not the natural father of Jesus. He'll be known as the son of God. And to show that all these things were credible, Gabriel tells her that her cousin, Elizabeth, who is up in years, well up in years, much older than, than Mary, was well up in years. And yet Elizabeth who had been barren, was now six months pregnant. And it's interesting that after Gabriel left, Mary hurried over to Elizabeth's place to see the good news. And sure enough, Elizabeth was six months pregnant. Then Gabriel gave her the answer to her question. How, how can this be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. That was her answer. How can this be? It says, for no thing is impossible with God. 
And with this response tucked away in her heart, Mary makes some very bold moves. And here's her response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Listen to this carefully. This response is classic. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Okay, so Mary makes this, this conclusion. She recognized she was the Lord's servant. That was the first step. And that's our first step. If we're going to walk with the Lord, we need to understand we're called to be servants, to serve Him. We have a calling, and ours is to be His servant. And that was her conclusion. What does it mean to be a servant? It means, first of all, that God comes first, higher than anything, higher than anyone. And secondly, Mary realized her joy was to please the Lord. It was her fulfillment. Now, Mary counted the cost of being a servant of God, and she decided it was worth every sacrifice. And then she verbalizes her answer, which is the logical conclusion of her servanthood. May it be to me as you have said. Amazing. Considering the questions she had to have in her heart at the time. But she says, may it be to me as you have said. That's a long way of saying yes. <laughs> but she had to have questions. Am I fit to be the mother of the Son of God? What's Joseph going to think or do? What will people think? What will be my future? Yes, God's call on Mary's life was awesome. It was scary. It was definitely disruptive, and it was trying, and it was perplexing. But she said, yes, may it be to me as you have said. And the result was she became the mother of the Lord Jesus. God's call will always mean sacrifice. God's call will always mean sacrifice. It will mean uncertainty. That's another word for exciting. <laughs> okay. But there is nothing greater in this life than to answer yes to God's call. Will all be happiness? Of course not. But nothing, nothing will be more fulfilling. To illustrate this sacrifice and uncertainty, let's look at the story of a, a missionary pilot. He flew Wycliffe Bible translators in and out of the Amazon jungle. He was stationed in Peru at their jungle, jungle center in Arena Cocha. There were 300 other personnel there at the center. You say, why would you need 300 people to fly an airplane? They had more than one airplane. They had lots of planes. And there were a lot of pilots. And they had, a high, in order to maintain the airplanes, you had to have mechanics. So there were mechanics. And there were also support personnel. 
all those folks had families. So you put them all together, and it's not, uh, not uncommon to come up with a conclusion that 300 isn't a, a massive number. And when they celebrated Christmas in Urena Kocha, it was usually a joyous time of the year. Christmas trees and lights. Now, they weren't spruce trees or evergreen trees. They were palm trees. But they had lots of lights on the trees. And it was an amazingly exciting time. And uh, the pilot's three sons were very excited about the coming of Christmas. They really weren't homesick. They had been in Peru for three years. And so the whole family had been there for three years. So they, they had pretty much accepted the idea that this was their home. And so homesickness wasn't the issue. But the week before Christmas, the pilot was asked, we want you to make an emergency flight to the Maranon River Basin to carry medical supplies to a tribe that was in the middle of an epidemic. And then you're scheduled to come home on December 23rd. Now, to make the flight from Urena Kocha to this tribe was five hours long. And so the pilot made the flight without any unusual incidents and landed the seaplane right on the river next to the tribe. And uh, he was scheduled to spend the night with the tribe in, in a lean-to, and then the idea was he was to take off in the morning and return to Urena Kocha. Well, everything went according to schedule, but during the night, rain started to fall in the jungle. By morning, the river basin was socked in by fog and rain, and it was obvious to everyone there wasn't going to be a flight that day. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, the following day, it rained all that day and all the next night. Christmas Eve was the same. And the clouds were so low, they were just hovering right above the, the trees. And the pilot put on his poncho, and he walked through the mire and the muck, mud and muck to the river's edge where the seaplane was rocking gently on the river the rain-splattered river. And he crawled out on the pontoon of the plane and he sat in the rain feeling quite dejected and sorry for himself. It was Christmas Eve. Night was descending. He realized there was no way he could get back to his wife and his boys for Christmas. Back in Pennsylvania, where he's from, he remembered his folks would be coming home from church at that time, getting the turkey ready. Snow would be on the ground. The tree would be all decorated and put in the same corner that it always was put in. Over in Urena Kocha, his wife and boys would be alone. They knew it, too, because he had made radio contact with the aviation center and the blunt truth was, he wouldn't be in Pennsylvania and he wouldn't be in Urena Kocha for Christmas. And he moaned to himself, 
oh God, I'm in the wrong place. More than anything else, he wanted to be home for Christmas. So he climbed off the pontoon. He sloshed back to the lean-to in the village. He ate some yucca plants with the Indians, and he read them the Christmas story out of his Bible, and then he translated the whole story so they knew exactly what the story was about. And that night under the mosquito netting, he had a visitation from God. Now, there were no angels. There were no shepherds. There were no bright stars. But as he lay in his hammock, desperately homesick, he sensed God saying, my son, this is what Christmas is all about. Jesus left heaven. And on Christmas morn, he woke up in the wrong place, (laughs) a barn, a stable, in Bethlehem. Christmas means leaving home, not going home for Jesus. Jesus didn't come home for Christmas. He left home to be with us. And the pilot realized he was there in that village bringing medical supplies to fight an epidemic and bringing the gospel message because the Lord has said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And that night he realized that Christmas is God's ultimate missionary outreach. Well, the rain did stop. The, 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 fog, the fog did lift. And the pilot was able to take off late the next day and join his family to celebrate Christmas a little late. But he had learned a great deal about the true meaning of Christmas. When Mary was startled by the angel Gabriel with the news of God's call on her life, a life that seemed, to that point, rather perfect, a call that meant much sacrifice, she responded, I am your servant. And she sacrificed. And she became the mother of the Son of God. What appeared to be a giant sacrifice was in reality the greatest privilege any human has ever experienced. Well, when that missionary pilot spent Christmas with a jungle tribe, reading them the Christmas story and bringing them much-needed medicine, he sacrificed precious time with his family. But it turned out to be a highlight of his life when he realized he was living a small taste, just a small taste of what God went through the first Christmas. It meant his son was leaving home to bring salvation to a lost and dying world. So now what? What about us today? First, we need to remember that Christmas, this Christmas, we have missionaries who are on the field away from home, and we need to remember them. That's first. Okay? Let's remember that Christmas is a great time for us to be a missionary 
for Christ. Now, I know there are legislators and there are courts and school boards and merchants all trying to rip Christ right out of Christmas. But that actually gives us an opportunity to point to Jesus as the central truth of the season. Let's be pointing to him. Christmas is about Christ and his coming to this world, leaving home and coming to this world to save our souls and to give us new life and eternal life. Okay? And let's remember that Christmas in God is God's ultimate outreach. So let's respond by worshiping him, by adoring him. And let us conclude with Mary. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, it's a long way of saying, yes, I will be your servant. Let's pray. Lord, Christmas is such an amazing time. What an incredible event. But may the truth of Christmas, may the sacrifices and the glorious redemption that was provided, may those truths be paramount in our lives. Lord, there are those right here in this room this morning who have received a call from you. You may be in the middle of that call right now. You're calling people right here today to follow you. And people are making a decision. They're having to decide what how am I going to respond to God's call? Am I going to be his follower? Am I going to be, as Mary put it, his servant? There are those right in the middle of that decision here today. And I pray as you minister to them, as you put out your call to them to follow you, to serve you, to worship you, that they will respond as Mary did with a very big yes. Yes. I am your servant. And they'll step out in faith and follow you until all eternity is ours. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.